podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Anfield Index Reuters podcast. I am Tom Holmes. Joining me as ever, we've got Leanne Prescott. Leanne, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, good to be back after a week off. Um, I was ill last week, so we didn't have a podcast. But yeah, good to be back. Um, no guests, but plenty to talk about. So looking forward to it. Yeah, it's just myself and Leanne this week, but we have got some cracking articles to dig into. And we are going to start with a brilliant article by Henry Jackson, which for me is a, a really, really good article and it sums up my thoughts on a player that I think about a lot I mean obviously I think about all of our players a lot but a player I think who really frustrates me and equally enthralls me is Bobby Firmino and um, Henry's written a brilliant article about how basically when Bobby's great Liverpool are great but when Liverpool tend not to be great it's often because Bobby himself has not had a great performance and this is the sort of thing that we've sort of seen really recently with sort of the a string of performances where against the likes of West Ham and Leicester, Bobby didn't play particularly well. And then against, for example, Bournemouth, Bobby was terrific. And um, obviously Liverpool were terrific as well. Um, so Leanne, I'll, uh, I'll let you sort of dig into this one. Uh, first, what are your thoughts on sort of Bobby in general? Because I know you're a huge fan of Bobby's. But also um, sort of on the article on the thought, the point of sort of Bobby being... Maybe the linchpin in the side. I know you think he's one of our more important players, but if you want to sort of talk us through your thoughts on the article and sort of Bobby in general, and then we can sort of get into it. Yeah, I think it's a really good piece, as you said. I think it's very interesting as well, because obviously prior to the Bayern game, there was a lot of talk about Firmino and that virus and whether he was going to play and, and the implications of that on Liverpool. And I think in some ways, the kind of reaction to that news summed up my feelings on Firmino and, and a lot of people's feelings on Firmino, because he's such an important player for Liverpool. Um, you know, we've got Daniel Sturridge, we've got Divo Origi, we've got Salah who can play in that um, centre-forward role. But I think Firmino adds something to Liverpool that those three players don't necessarily do from that number nine position. So Salah, obviously, great player, um, but he's very, very different to Firmino in what he offers. And I think, you know, the point Henry's trying to get across, at least from my point of view, is that Firmino, because of his movement, because of his creativity, because he works so hard off the ball... And he's not fixated on being the centre of attention. He's not fixated on constantly being in the centre of the pitch either. Sometimes he'll drop back into midfield. Sometimes he'll pop out on the wing. I think that's really important to the way Liverpool play. And I think that's something that Klopp has been able to develop because we've talked about in previous podcasts how Klopp has kind of got this flexibility of a system now where he's got two or three different formations or different tactics he could use. And that relies on players like Bobby Firmino and their versatility and their willingness to, you know, fulfil different roles. So I think Henry is spot on in terms of what he's saying. And I think, you know, the, the news that Firmino was obviously past fit for Brian, he did play a part. And OK, I'm sure we'll come on to it. it, it you know, it wasn't maybe one of his best performances. Sometimes this season he's not always performed. And I would agree that Liverpool have therefore struggled. Um, but again, that, that just kind of underlined his importance rather than being a negative to say, oi Bobby, you know, what's going on here? It's it's a kind of a, a bit of evidence to say this is a player who everything everything revolves around him. He is the epitome of this system. And I think, 
you know, from from where he started under Brendan Rodgers being shifted out wide and not really influencing games to where he is now. I think it's it's such an amazing journey that he's been on and I just hope that with how brilliant he was last season, I think he came into this year with so much expectation and, and you know, the pressure was on him, the pressure was on Salah and the pressure was on Mane. And sometimes it's very, very difficult to deliver in those situations. And so I hope that he continues to show people that he is an important part of this team, even when he's not at his game. Yeah, I always, I always felt with Bobby last season, maybe it wasn't a fluke, but last season was clearly him playing above what you might expect from him. So I was always sort of nervous that we might see a sort of a downturn this season anyway. Um, I, I certainly think he is a really, really critical player to the way we attack and to the way we play. But equally, I think I think a lot of it is down to maybe he is a player who really benefits from us playing well. I think as much as it is him being a key part of that, um, I think that's maybe something that maybe... I mean, it's difficult to say. And I've, you know, I've said this before, you know, how do you judge when... if if two, if a team and a player tend to play well together, does that just mean the player is really important to the team playing well, or does it mean that the player tends to need players around him to sort of drag him through games? And I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's the lack with Bobby at all for what it's worth. I don't, I'm not, not saying that that's the case, but I do think there are often games where I think Bobby needs a player like Salah to sort of, sort of, maybe not kick him out the backside, but sort of get him in the game a little bit. Partly because I think often when he does end up dropping too deep, his game plan ends up being really really frustrated because we have seen you know in the number 10 role which sort of Henry addressed in the article when he's been played slightly deeper and when he's been asked to sort of link up the play a little bit more I think he has struggled a little bit more partly because it's harder to generate space when you're playing as a number 10 because you're not when he's playing as a number 9 he is dropping he's still dropping deeper but he's giving the centre-backs an issue because the center, the whole point of having a false 9 is that it gives the centre-backs an extra thing to think about Whereas when you're playing in the number 10 role, it's kind of easier tactically to defend against because you can just say, oh, he's the number 10, stick the six on him, which is something you can't really do when Bobby's playing as a false nine, especially when you've got Salah coming from one flank and Mane coming from the other. So I think, you know, tactically speaking, it's potentially been the case that it's been a little easier to defend against him when he's played in a number 10 role. And again, that's not necessarily anything to do with his fault so much as the way the tactics have worked out. Um, I think, I'm, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Bobby. I think he's a really quality player, and I think he is a really important player in the system. Um, I do think, I don't think he's necessarily our most important player, or even our most important attacking player, but it's certainly clear that he is one of the players that will have the most influence on whether or not Liverpool put in a good team performance. And especially that se- especially this season, that's been really, really important to the way we play football. Yeah, I agree. I think um, one part of Henry's article that I, I particularly enjoyed is kind of the contrast of uh, that West Ham performance with the 1-1 draw. And Firmino was probably the worst player on the pitch, um, at least for a large portion of the game. And then, you know, the, the 3-0 against Bournemouth where he was so uh, lively, so good. And I think that kind of sums up maybe this season. I, I would agree that maybe basically in the in the words you used last season wasn't a fluke but it was him outperforming what anyone expected of him because there's always been this talk that Firmino is not a goal scorer he's not a natural goal scorer and he basically put two fingers up to anyone who'd ever said that about him and said oh I'm going to score as many goals as possible 
I'm going to do all this other work as well, and you're going to see that I'm a great, great player. And that hasn't just vanished overnight. It's, you know, when people say about Naby Keita and because he didn't perform very well at the start of the season, oh, he must be rubbish. That That's not how it works. You don't lose your quality. I just think this season, maybe he doesn't necessarily have the consistency. Um, but as Henry says, you know, it, it, it's a player who is so important to this Liverpool team. And, and when he clicks and when he performs, Liverpool are so much better. Um, and I think that's a large portion of that anyway is because of the fluidity of movement. I've, I've talked about it countless times before, but the interchanging of position, I, I cannot stress enough how important that is to this Liverpool team. You see Salah pop up in the middle a lot more this season, but even Mane against Bayern Munich, you know, he was in and around the box in those central areas quite a lot of the time. And you would see Firmino willingly go out to the left, willingly go out to the right and, and kind of cover for his teammates, but also say, oh yeah, one, two, let's let's switch. And that makes it very hard for defenders. And so sometimes, whether it's fatigue or, or, or just, you know, the miscommunication, whether it's these long breaks that we're having in, in Spain or in Dubai, sometimes when we don't have that, we do look like a, a very, very different team and a very different prospect to defend against. Um, I'd be interested, you know, in, in your take of that because... I think while I, I've always known that you wouldn't consider Bobby the most important player, do you think in terms of that fluidity that he provides and the, the interchanging, that is a, a large portion of why we don't necessarily see Liverpool always perform to their best like at that West Ham game? Is it a case of these long breaks are stinting momentum, they're, they're stunting people from having that communication and building up ahead of steam and therefore for someone like Firmino it's hard to constantly get back and get going again yes and no I mean to be fair I thought Bobby was one of our best players in the first half against Bayern um I really did um second half don't think anyone played particularly well especially in the front three because I thought you know Bayern were excellent but first half Bobby was really really good in that game so I'm not necessarily sure what it is about the 10 game breaks I think it might just be a, a case of rustiness more than anything else I think it's probably the the best way of putting it um i mean i i completely agree with you in terms of fluidity bobby's really important um but i think you know the whole point of fluidity is that everyone's really fluid and when you take one of those players out or when you one of those players isn't quite playing or one of the, one of those players just hasn't got the same level of movement that can really affect the whole system right it, the whole point of liverpool is that they are a very very fluid unit and that fluidity if one player stays in the right stays in the same place for too long or if one player doesn't move enough then so say for example Bobby just stays central or just doesn't drop deep enough he's sort of in the number nine position for quite a lot of time Salah and Mane are going to be running into him they're going to be having to weave around him they're just not going to have as much space to work into so from that respect I absolutely agree you know if Bobby's not not quite at it or if even if 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 Bobby's not quite at it it's hard harder for the other two and I think the other thing is with Bobby being the focal point of the attack in terms of when he's playing as the number nine, he obviously is the sort of the middle. If Sadio is not really moving off the left, Salah and Firmino can still kind of interchange. And if, um, say for example, if Salah's sticking to the right flank, that still means that Bobby can drop deep and someone else can run ahead and Sadio can still sort of interchange. There's still plenty of room for interchange around another cog, but when it is Bobby that is struggling, it's kind of a bit harder because he's the most central cog, if that makes sense. So in some respects, yes, that he makes him the most important cog because the role he's playing in is sort of physically at the centre of everything, uh, as well as as well as well I agree tactically. 
But um, I don't think that necessarily makes him more important. I think it just kind of means that the position that he's in is kind of more... I think more central is probably the best way of putting it. And I mean, I think that's a really interesting sort of thing to look at, you know, tactically. But I also think, I think a couple of people have made a really good point. You know, Bobby's a very tactical player. He is a player that's more important tactically than he is in terms of performance levels. Not in the sense that he's not a really, really great player, but in the sense that he's a player who will will quite often put the team ahead of himself. Um, And that's obviously, you need players like that in your squad. He reminds me a lot of someone like Dirk Hout, who maybe didn't score a load of goals and maybe wasn't, necessarily the quote-unquote most important but it was an absolute workhorse and everyone loved him because he'd always contribute to the team and when he did score goals it was generally important ones and I think that's maybe the sort of role that Bobby's taking on to an extent although obviously I think in terms of system I think he's obviously built more around him than Dirk Cout was but I think that sort of Dirk Cout role is probably the sort of the better way of describing it whereas you could compare Silas to someone like Torres who is the maybe not the flair player but the player who without the attack has no end product in many respects because you know every attack needs someone like a Bobby Firmino someone who is going to do a lot of the grunt work but equally without Mo Salah in that team and to a larger extent not to to a slightly lesser extent Sadio Mane you know Bobby's whole role is kind of worthless right because if you haven't got a player to do the other bits of the game then you need Bobby Firmino to score goals. And this is why we've been really lucky in the sense that Salah in particular hasn't really been unfit. But it does mean that there are other players taking the pressure off Bobby in certain respects. And I think that's when you can see when maybe Salah has a poor game or maybe when Sadio has a poor game, there is a bit more pressure on Bobby. And that can be when he starts to maybe feel it a little bit, I think. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting point. Um, the, other, the other aspect of Henry's article is, of course, the role that Firmino not just the, what he has in the side in terms of specific games, but looking at Liverpool's title challenge as a whole and, and the running and, and how, because of his role in this side, because of the ups and downs that he's had over this season and, and the kind of the correlating results to his performances with Liverpool's results, whether he is going to be a main component of this, uh, you know, how the title gets determined. Because Henry, I think he, he actually says, if he doesn't hit top form, then there's a strong chance success will evade Klopp. But if he does play, and he will play a major part in, in Liverpool's team, obviously he's going to be playing pretty much every game unless he gets injured. If he does hit peak form and he does get that fluidity and he does get kind of that, that hub around him, um, that he can create, he's capable of doing, then Liverpool are in a really, really good position. Um, so I just thought that was quite an interesting point because obviously you you said that he's a he is an important player. No one's going to deny that. He's maybe not your most important player in the team. There's obviously Van Dijk, there's Salah. There's loads of different players here who have a such a crucial role. Fabinho, another one who's kind of up and coming at the moment. But I think there's a there is something about Firmino maybe that the title hinges on him a lot. Um, and it, it comes back to our previous discussion, really, because if, if this was Mo Salah, are we saying that if Mo, Mo Salah's not scoring goals, Liverpool aren't in this run-in, uh, this title run-in, they're not in the title challenge, and therefore he is a main determinant of the title? Yes, probably. His form is, is huge for Liverpool. Same with Van Dijk. And... Tom, would you argue with Henry that that is the same with Firmino? Because, yes, we're saying he maybe had a bit, well, not luck, but he outperformed himself last season. If he is 
not the main component in your view is he still important enough to be the the person who you're looking at and thinking if this guy doesn't perform we're not going to make it or can Liverpool you know do, do Liverpool have the resources or have the options whatever it is that even if Bobby is not performing well Klopp has the options he has the ability to to really ride out this title I think it's an interesting question. I think it's a difficult question as well. Um, I think both you and Henry have sort of flirted with the idea that there are a lot of key players in this Liverpool squad, which I'd certainly agree with. I think, I think it's, I think it would be genuinely possible to go and write an article on about seven or eight players in our team and make a legitimate point that if that player doesn't turn up, we won't win the league. Um, I think you know there's seven or eight players in that Liverpool starting eleven that we rely on quite a lot. Um, the goalkeeper, obviously, if we have to drop, if Mignolet plays ten games, we don't win the title, in my opinion. Um, Van Dijk, we lose Van Dijk for maybe even five games. That could cost us a title, to be honest. That's how important he is. I think Van Dijk's probably the most important, but I think you know it's all grading on a curve. Um, you know, Robbo, Trent. I think. I mean, I recently wrote an article basically saying I think Trent's more important than some people give him credit for. Um, Gomez to an extent. I mean, people have talked about how you know we we've talked about on the show. You know how important is it that Gomez has been missing. You know, and then you look at the front three, every single one of that front three are really, really important. Um, you know, I think Sadio Mane is an extremely important player in this Liverpool team. I think Mo Salah is unbelievably important. I think, you know, if if without if Salah gets injury for ten injured for ten games, that's it. We might as well forget about it. Um you know, I certainly think you know, you look at the midfield you're getting to the point where you're saying, well, how important is Fabinho? As you pointed out, as Henry's pointed out, Genie Van Alden, we're going to talk to him, talk about him in about 10, 15 minutes. He's an extremely important player in this Liverpool team as well. Um, and, you know, I think, I think it is absolutely fair to say that Bobby is one of those players. He is categorically one of those people where we need him to perform consistently well, if we're going to have a chance to win the title. Um, and I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's disrespectful to Bobby to say he's not necessarily the most important player in this team. I think it, it would be disrespectful to suggest he's not important to the team. Um, he's a really, really, really big player in this side, absolutely. But as I've said, you know, you've got five, six, seven, eight players, maybe even, you know, that you're looking at and going, we we need that player to stay fit. And we've been lucky to that extent. Our sort of, of our, let's say, six key players, uh, Alisson, Robbo, uh, Van Dijk and the front three. None of those have been seriously injured at all this season. I think the most games any any one of those has missed is like three. So we've been really, really lucky in that we've got six players that I would consider, and I'm sure you'd agree with me, extremely important to the Liverpool side and none of them have been injured. And absolutely, Roberto Firmino is one of those players. Absolutely for me. I mean, he is a big game player in many respects and he finds a way to drag, te- to drag his team through games. Um, one thing I've sort of said about Bobby consistently is I want to see him I want to see him be better when he's not playing well or when we're not playing well because I think the best players um and I think we have a couple of them in this team um can contribute massively to the side when they're not playing well and I think to be fair Bobby has that is the one area of Bobby's game this season specifically that I've been quietly impressed by that I felt he's starting to get better at Liverpool aren't playing well. Bobby Firmino isn't playing well. Can he still contribute the goals? Can he still create big chances for his side? And that is something that actually he's impressed me a little bit more with this season because that is something that last season I really felt when Liverpool weren't playing well and when the players around him weren't 
giving weren't letting him play his natural game he is one of those players that for me suffered a lot and that's in and i think to an extent that is sort of saying showing how important he is that if he can't get going the team just can't but equally i think he's not a player where i think this is i think him and sadio are almost polar opposites to that to maybe that extent i think if you know there are games where i'd sort of say if you you know if you ask me there's 20 minutes to go in a game liverpool need a goal or liverpool need a moment of magic which player would i look at in the team and go i need that's the player i'm looking at to do something special i'd actually say sadio almost more than mo i'd say sadio whereas if you said to me liverpool are going to need to produce a consistent 90 minutes here which player do you think is most important to that? I would argue, I you know, arguably say Bobby there. So I think you know they're two very very different players, and I think you know you can't win the title without a mix of players. You can't win the title without players like Sadio Mane who can just do things, who can just grab a game by the scruff of the neck and score a goal when you need your team to. But equally, you can't win the title without players like Bobby Firmino who can get your team playing consistently well, because you can't win enough games to win a title unless you have long spells of the season where you're playing really good football and for Liverpool we can't have long spells of season playing really good football without Bobby Firmino playing well that's just not a thing and it was noticeable that he started to pick up form around the sort of time that the team did in December and he was getting to a point where sort of about the Christmas period where he was really starting to fly Um, and it's just been again in recent weeks when things have started to go a bit wrong that he's started to look frustrating and it and it's one of those isn't it where you sort of say I I mean this for me is the, the quintessential Bobby problem is he a player that thrives in this system when the system's working, or is he a player that makes this system work? And I think there's a very big distinction. I think it's very difficult to tell. And I think, you know, how important you think Bobby Firmino to this, is to this side and how good a player you think Bobby Firmino is just depends on exactly where on that scale you put him. Yeah, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I I think um, you know, we I we're both kind of in agreement in terms of Bobby's role and and what it could do for Liverpool season and how important he is in terms of not just the system but the way Liverpool play and, and the way the manager looks to approach different games. Um we've got a, a really good article that's kind of similar. It's on a Genie Wijnaldum, but I think he is another player just to kind of go in into the next article, which is by Scott. Um, would would you argue you touched on there? There's loads of different players who you could say who are crucial to to Liverpool's title charge, and of course, anyone listening is going to be like, well, yeah, they're all crucial, and yes, but but, but my point is, there's a couple of standouts, and I would argue that Genie Wijnaldum is becoming one of those standouts. I think the way he's performed this season is above and beyond what he's performed. Well, in his Liverpool career, I think he's really stepped up in terms of his attacking movements, in terms of getting into the box. Brilliant, brilliant goal against Bournemouth with that chip. Um, okay, he misses a couple of chances before and, and really should have passed a better to Mo Salah um, in an earlier instance. But I think he is a player who's really, really come on this season and therefore is one who, again, is really important to the title challenge. Um, but Tom, what, what do you think of Scott's article and, and Genie as a whole? Because, as I said, I, again, I'm a big, big fan of his. I think he is underrated by some, or maybe not underrated, but underappreciated in terms of he does nitty-gritty bits, and it's not always the flashiest part of football to be the person who passes it on to someone who then does the skill. Well, of course, your pass is not going to get talked about. Um 
but Junior Wijnaldum, the way he breaks things up in terms of um, defending, the way he works with players like Fabinho and the way he's added that forward movement and forward thinking to his game, he's really come into his own this season. Do you agree? Um, yes and no. <laughs> um, yes and no. Like yes and no. <laughs> um, no, no, no. It is a yes. Um, it is a yes. Um, I think the first thing to note is that when you talk about, I think you're bang on about him being underappreciated rather than being underrated because I think he's one of those players where he's one of those players that everyone says he's underrated. And I'm like, well, if enough people think he's underrated, is he really underrated? And I think that's, you know, that's just, and I think, you know, when you've got, when you've got people like Gary Neville saying he's the most underrated player in the Premier League, I'm like, right. But if you rate him, then a lot of people are going to rate him because you're a big pundit and you're saying that Gene Van Arm's a great midfielder. Look, I, I think, I think in many respects, I think the the first thing to say is I completely agree. He's come on. I think he has come on a lot this season. I think there's this kind of tendency amongst some people to say he's been maybe underappreciated the last two years. And I'm not sure that's necessarily. I mean, the Genie Wijnaldum debate has raged on for about two and a half years now. I think, yes, to an extent, people are starting to see what he does a bit more. But equally, I think he's getting better at it because the team's been getting better as well. Um, You know, like it's all well and good saying he's a sort of he's the player that makes the team work where if the team's not working that well which it has not necessarily been to the sort of level that we're talking about this season for the last couple of years then you can sort of see why people would say well actually how how impressive has he been then if the midfield hasn't really functioned properly for two and a half years before this full season um Equally, yeah, I think he's come on leaps and bounds. I think he's really improved certain elements of his game. Defensively, I think he's come on massively, and that's really, really important to the way we've defended. Because, you know, Van Dijk gets so much credit, naturally. Alisson, Fabinho, all these players that have been really, really important defensively will get a lot of credit. But I think the way that Wijnaldum's defensive game has developed has been really important to this side. Um, because he's been getting better at tracking his runners. He's played slightly deeper as well, which has meant he's been forced into a more defensive role, which I think has actually suited him quite a lot. And Klopp finding that he's actually got, quietly got, one of the best holding midfielders in Europe, and he's not been playing him as a holding midfielder for two years, is a lot of why Gini's come on as a player. He's worked really, really well in a two, whereas previously he's been sort of, maybe not played out of position, I don't think that's a fair assessment, but used tactically slightly off. Um... I'm not sure he's necessarily been a really attacking threat this season in the Premier League. It's worth noting that that goal he scored against Bournemouth was his first goal from open play this season. So, you know, I, I think that's an element of his game which once has got a lot of room for improvement. He's still one of the least creative and least aggressive players in this side because I think that's not his role. And I've said consistently over the last sort of year and a half, we've got to stop judging players like Vinaldum on whether or not they score an assist because if they were supposed to be scoring and assisting, he wouldn't be in the side. Like It's that simple for me. If Vinaldum's on this side with the score goals or create chances, he wouldn't be playing because he's not. he wouldn't be doing a good enough job. So clearly the fact that he's playing consistently means he's being asked to do a different role, and I'm absolutely okay with that. Um, I don't think he's necessarily in our two or three most important players either, to be fair. I think that's largely down to the fact that actually our midfield isn't necessarily the most important part of our system. I think the way Klopp has built his system around counter-pressing, around the front three, around the full-backs, around the stodgy defence, has actually meant that in many respects, our midfield aren't necessarily the most as important as it would be in other systems. Um, I certainly think, you know, I've seen people say Van Adam's one of the first names on the team sheet. And I'm like, well, yes and no. 
yes, he's one of the first names on the team sheet, but no in the sense that there's literally... I mean, it's the same thing about having a similar argument, having important players, right? How Of our starting 11, you'd say the back five and the front three pick themselves, right? So, yes, he's one of the first names on the team sheet, but there's eight other lads who are basically undroppable. So, to that extent, yes, he is, but equally, he's no more undroppable than eight other lads. Um, and I think it's similar about his importance. I think he is an extremely important player in the midfield. Um, I think he's probably the first name on the team sheet in terms of the midfield now. Um, although I think, you know, the longer Fabinho plays the way Fabinho's been playing, the more it's going to be essentially Fabinho, Gini plus one, um, which suits me just fine because I think Gini and Fabinho work phenomenally as a pairing. Um, and I think, you know, Gini is such an important player to the side and he brings a lot to the table but I think you know trying to place his sort of role in and around the side I think is a little bit more difficult and that's maybe where I disagree a little bit in the sense that I just think we've got a lot of dead good players I think we've got a lot of dead good players and I think Genie is a dead good player um but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's one of our best dead good players <laughs> yeah I think I think um you're completely spot on and just to kind of hone in on Scott's article, one of the things he touches on is how um, Genie is a, a prime example of trusting Klopp's transfer system because a lot of people, rightly or wrongly, said that Liverpool missed an opportunity to delve into the January transfer market and and it's been kind of something that's been lurking given Liverpool haven't necessarily performed. Um, you know, Manchester City we were able to go about seven, ten points clear, I think, and, and we didn't seize those opportunities. And Liverpool are still having a great season. There's no doubt about that. There's no need for hyperbole about how we've thrown away the title or how about uh, how Klopp has been so stubborn that he's thrown away the, the best opportunity we've had to get the Premier League in, in years. I, I'm not taking any of that. But a lot of people have said, you know, how, uh, how can he not make a decision in January to go and buy someone? And I think if I'm reading correctly, if I'm understanding correctly, Scott's point of view is that Genie, Virgil, all these type of players are players that we waited for, players that we thought meticulously about. I've said it before, I don't think Klopp is a fan of the January transfer window. I think for him, unless you're you know, in need of... It, it, unless Firmino gets injured, Sturridge is injured, Origi is injured, and you need a striker to put out on the pitch who's going to score you goals and keep up momentum then I don't think he would ever sign someone, um, apart from Virgil van Dijk, who obviously did come in January, but was expected for so, so long before. I think it's a case of he likes to to look at a player, he likes to examine them, he likes to see where they're going to fit, and then he likes to have that pre-season opportunity to get them into the team. Um, Virgil van Dijk, obviously, as I said, we, we looked like we were going to get him in the summer. It didn't quite happen and we do get him in January. But with a lot of other players, it's a case of trying to, to mould them in at the right time. And I think maybe that was Klopp's thinking in the middle of a title challenge. Do you do you have the time to really bed someone in? You're, you, you know, you probably don't, whether that's the right thinking or the wrong thinking. Um, you know, that's, that's completely personal opinion. But Genie is a player who... A lot of people, when he came in, thought this is a bit underwhelming. He's played for Newcastle. Okay, he's okay, but is he Liverpool standard? You know, the typical uh, reaction the likes of Jordan Henderson and Andy Robertson have received. But I think, just like Andy Robertson, he's kind of said to people, 
just because I wasn't from a big club in Europe or just because I wasn't from a, a Premier League rival doesn't mean I can't do a job for Liverpool. And I, I completely agree with Scott that Genie is a prime example of, of Klopp and his transfer system and, and kind of looking for the right player and looking for certain qualities. Genie has so many qualities and as you said there, Klopp has expanded them, he's changed them, he's adapted them for what he needs and Genie is very receptive to that. He has moulded his game to what the manager needs rather than you know, being, being a defensive-minded midfielder. He's gone more box-to-box. And now he is a, a very, very strong candidate for one of the first names on the team sheet when fit. And you just look at that Bournemouth game the other week and how good he was there um, as kind of an example of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think you're bang on. I think Scott's bang on about the, the transfer window. I think the thing, the other thing to sort of think, saying with sort of with uh, Van Dyke is obviously we, we really wanted to get him in the summer before. But the other thing was sort of twofold. One, he was just, he's a generational talent. He was a player that we knew we needed and we could not sort of afford to waste a second getting him. And the other thing was there were other other teams sniffing around Virgil. This was a player that Klopp had already decided he wanted, that Chelsea and Man City were planning to try and hijack. It was just a case of, we've got to get this deal done, whatever it takes. Um, and I think that's the other thing, you know, Klopp has shown that when he does pick a player that he wants and likes, it they will go to the end of the earth to get that deal done if they think the player is good enough. Um, and I think Genie obviously is one of those players that maybe, you know, there were other teams sniffing about again and we did have to sort of fight for him to an extent. But we obviously, we got the deal done. And um, I think, you know, people sort of say, you know, oh, Liverpool have a 100% hit ratio. Why don't they just sign more players? And it's like, well, Liverpool have a 100% hit ratio because they're very, very selective in the players that they sign. If there is a sort of, a, if there's any doubt about this player's future at Liverpool, they just won't bother. And I think that's one of the things that's maybe sort of underappreciated about the Nabil Fakir saga, right? Like, it wasn't necessarily a case of, this is not this is a player we can't sign. It was more a case of, well, we, we, we don't necessarily think this player, there's some issues with this player that could potentially be problems. We don't 100% want to go for it and we don't need to go for it and that's something that Klopp's always felt he prefers having a smaller squad and he prefers having the right players and Genie Wijnaldum is a great example of the right player the player that Liverpool looked at and thought and maybe he wasn't necessarily the first choice for that role we know there were other players that we were sniffing around at the time but Mo Salah wasn't necessarily our first choice for the role he he ended up being signed for anyway but the, the fact is they were players that were good enough for the team for the recruitment team and a, and a recruitment team that has demonstrated consistently that they know what they're doing um even someone like Loris Karius like who is probably considered probably the probably considered the biggest flop of Klopp's era he only cost less than five million quid and his career was only going up before the Champions League final um, and he was a significant improvement on Simon Mignolet. I don't know why we messed about with him, but he was a significant... Whatever you think of Carrius, he was a significant improvement on Mignolet. So it's a really sort of... I think it's a good symbol of Klopp's that you're looking at a team that's built around Klopp players. And at the heart of it, you've got one of the first players Klopp signed that for a long time is one of those players that has had question marks over him. And he's starting to consistently demonstrate that he is a really important player in this Liverpool team. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, we're, we're both, again, we're both in agreement. It's kind of, podcasts are usually better when there's some kind of argument, but it's hard to argue about 
Jeannie and, and Firmino, they do what they say on the tin. They're very good at what they do and, and their roles are ever-expanding. Um, I think a, a, a last aspect of Jeannie maybe to consider, maybe we'll, we'll talk about here for a couple of minutes before we wrap up, is his relationship with Fabinho and how that's come along this season because that's something I've been particularly impressed with and I wrote an article um, a couple of days ago about what is Liverpool's best uh, midfield three um, and you know, looking at if everyone's fit, if Oxlade-Chamberlain, if Naby Keita is up to his, his absolute best, um, if you've got you know James Munner's experience, Jordan Henderson on his game, who plays because there's so many options and so many players who do different things. And I think the way this season is panning out, it just goes to show how important Wijnaldum is in that. Um, Fabinho as well, because some people, maybe last season in particular, with his inconsistencies, especially in away games, would have said, "Oh, I'm not sure about Junior. I'm not sure if he fits if he fits in that uh, best three. Um, I I always maintained the the view that he did, but I think you know there was room for improvement. There was room for more consistency, and and again, that's something that we've seen from him this year. So, what have you made of that that kind of? double pivot of Fabinho and Genie because I think they complement each other so so well Fabinho is that blanket to the back four but he's also got that forward thinking pass in him he's progressive and as we've said Genie is getting more and more progressive as well bombs into the box with those late runs has that drive in midfield and therefore can support the likes of Naby Keita I think those two are developing a really really impressive partnership and they're turning into two really really fantastic players I think for me it's not even a question. Our best midfield is, is Fabinho, Wijnaldum, Cater. It's not even a question. I don't even have to think about it anymore now. It's those three. Just as um, I think of those three, I think they all play different roles, but they all play those roles really effectively. And I think Genie is a big part of that because he's such a, he's what you talked about right at the start. He's a versatile player. He can do any any role that you need him to in that midfield really effectively. And as I say, you know, we we in his first goal for Liverpool, he got eight goals, and I think it was. He got 15 goal contributions, 15 goals and assists combined in this first season because he was given a free license to just basically attack. Then in his second season, he contributed, I think, maybe one goal and one assist. Basically nothing because he was being asked to do a different role. And again, this season, he's not been asked to really contribute in an attacking sense. But then the one game where we decide we're going to let him off the leash, he goes <laughs> he goes and scores a goal of the season contender. So... um it was one goal and two assists last season, I apologise. But, um, you know, I think that just says it all about the player, that he is one of those players that will just run through a brick wall for Klopp and can basically, you can build a midfield around him because he's a player that you can basically put in any role in that midfield and you know that he's going to contribute positively to it. Um, and I think that's why he's maybe so important is because he's the sort of player that, you know, you've got someone like Fabinho and you sort of say, Fabinho's a brilliant defensive midfielder. And I think he's, you know, he obviously can contribute more ahead. They all can. They All three of those, Cater, Fabinho and Genie, can do, all three of them can do basically everything. But I think of the three, Genie's probably the most flexible, which is what makes him so important for me, at least. Um, and that's why he's worked so well in a double pivot, because he's very, he can work around the players around him. Um, I think the only issue with the, Genie Fabinho double pivot has been that it puts maybe not more pressure on the front four, but it sort of asks the front four to be a front four basically. Um, whereas when they've played in a three, it's allowed Genie to get forward a bit more. I think the well, I think the main issues with the four-two-three-one have been with what's ahead of them rather than with those two players though. And I think 
you know, Jordan Shakir. The four-two-three-one worked brilliantly when Jordan Shakiri was playing well. As soon as Jordan Shakiri stopped playing well, the four-two-three-one stopped working. That for me was yeah. It, it, there's too much reliance on that system for, on one or two players to basically make things happen. And those one or two players are Bobby Firmino in the ten roll and Shakiri off the right flank for me anyway. But um, that's a different issue. Um, yeah, I think Genie is as I said at the start. Probably the first name on the team sheet in the midfield. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think we'll wrap up there in terms of um, the articles. Both brilliant pieces, as Tom said at the start. And um, unfortunately, we couldn't get the guests on to discuss their own work. But really, really top draw. So if you haven't looked at those articles, please do. Because there's a lot on the AI website at the moment in terms of uh, specific player analysis, looking at Liverpool's next few games, the importance of them, and, and all the build-up to, of course, the, the big game against Manchester United at the weekend. So definitely... Um, look to check that out. As for you, Tom, have you got anything you want to plug? Yes, I've actually got a piece criticising Mo Salah, which, frankly, you know, I'd read it. For you. <laughs> yeah, I don't criticise Mo Salah because I think he's a phenomenal player, but he hasn't contributed in, against big teams yet this season. And we've got one of our, we've got probably our biggest game of the season at the weekend. And Mo Salah hasn't contributed at all in previous games against Man United. So basically, it's time for him to score a hat trick at the weekend, is my opinion on that. <laughs> Very well, interesting. You got anything thing. coming up? Yeah, I've got a um, piece on Fabinho, uh, which should be out in the next couple of days, just on his versatility, really, and how you know he's he's starting to show that he is a a very key man to this Liverpool team. Kind of uh, just like we discussed with Genie Wijnaldum, how he's his ability to you know go in at centre back against Robert Lewandowski and to fly into tackles, whether that be in the box, whether that be on the right hand side, and time them so well, have that ability to then go forward with the ball have the confidence to do it as well and the the kind of calm he exudes on everyone around him I think he's really really come into his own and become a very important figure for Liverpool um, so it's just kind of a, an, an ode basically to how he how he's been this season and how he continues to progress um, and, and you know for Klopp it's it's great because with our current injury crisis and god forbid if if Dejan Lovren stays out if Van Dijk gets injured if something happens to Joe Gomez and we don't see him for the rest of the season or Joel Matip now picks up an injury who knows he knows and he can be safe in the knowledge that Fabinho is able to slot in there albeit unideal because of how good he is in midfield to have that kind of option in these kind of circumstances is brilliant and I've actually seen quite a few people on Twitter I, I personally wouldn't do it myself say that they would actually put him centre back for the United game which I, I thought in itself was a, an indication of just how good he's been. Um, so that's something to check out. Otherwise, um, I don't think there's anything else from me. Um, obviously, good to be back on the podcast, and we, we hope you've enjoyed it this week. We should be back next week uh, with some guests, hopefully. Um, so we'll see you all then. Podcast Network.